Welcome to the Group of Five Focus Podcast, where we take some time each week to highlight a few significant G5 matchups and showcase the power of the Group of Five. I'm your host, Brian Doppel. Thanks for joining me this week as I preview the bowl games coming up this week. From Nassau to Boise, we've got some great G5 bowl games this year. We'll get into them after the break. If my math is right, there are 21 bowl games that feature G5 teams this year, so I'm going to work through each bowl game chronologically, but since there are so many games, I'm going to be splitting them roughly in half, so in this episode, I'm going to cover the first 11 bowl games that are happening from this Friday, December 17th to next Tuesday, December 21st. So starting chronologically, we are heading down south to the Bahamas Bowl at Thomas A. Robinson National Stadium in Nassau, and this game is between the Middle Tennessee State Blue Raiders and the Toledo Rockets. Both of these teams had middling seasons in their conferences, um, with Middle Tennessee State finishing at 4-4 in conference in fourth place in the CUSA East, and Toledo finished with a record of 5-3 in conference in a crowded Mac West, where the last place team finished 4-4 in a surprising Western Michigan. Uh, But we'll talk more about that team another day. Anyway, this Bahamas Bowl is between the Middle Tennessee Blue Raiders, the Toledo Rockets. It's on ESPN this Thursday, December 17th at 12 p.m. Eastern, and you can watch it on ESPN. If you haven't seen any of the pictures, uh, Instagram or Twitter from either of these teams' accounts or the Bahamas Bowl account, um, I highly recommend you go check it out if you are craving some warmer weather Um, then some of those pictures are sure to warm you up. It looks like both of these teams are having a good time down in Nassau, um, and uh, I'm a little jealous of this this bowl location. Um, My team has not had a chance to go to somewhere quite so tropical, uh, but I'll talk about them in a little while as well. Uh, These two teams are are pretty different from each other. Toledo has a pretty high-powered offense. They're uh, averaging 434 yards per game compared to Middle Tennessee, who's averaging 356 yards per game. And Toledo's getting most of those um, through the air, 241 compared to 193 on the ground. Um, But that being said, Middle Tennessee throws way more than they run. Uh, So I think if Middle Tennessee is going to win this game, they're going to have to rely on their quarterback, Chase Cunningham, who's thrown for just over 1,300 yards, 16 touchdowns, and three interceptions this season. We've also talked about the Toledo running back, Bryant Kobach the junior from Holland, Ohio, who's got 190 carries, over 1,200 yards, and 15 rushing touchdowns this season. Um, he's an absolute monster. I think um, I think that he is going to help carry this Toledo Rockets offense, um, but but the MTSU offense is impressive, is impressive as well, um, particularly their wide receiver Jimmy Marshall is having a stellar year. He's got 510 receiving yards and six touchdowns. Um, that's over a third of Chase Cunningham's passing touchdowns going to Jimmy Marshall. So um, keep an eye out for, for those two to, to make some connections and, and keep the Blue Raiders in this game. Uh, ESPN's Football Power Index gives Toledo a 66% chance to win this game, um, and I'm going to agree with that. Um, the, the Rockets are just scoring way more points per game and allowing way fewer per game than the Blue Raiders are. Um, and even though these two teams have never met before, um, I'm going to go with Toledo's experience in bowl games. They're 11 and 7 in bowl games um, compared to Middle Tennessee's 2 and 6. So I just think that they're going to perform a little bit better under pressure in this in this strange environment in the Bahamas, um, and I think they're going to outscore. And I think their defense is going to hold Middle Tennessee as well. Um, so I'm going to predict that Toledo wins this game by a score of 30 to 13. Moving on, Friday evening, and a little bit northwest of Nassau, we are going to the Tail Greeter Cure Bowl in Orlando, Florida. This game is at Exploria Stadium. The expected temperature is to be 82 degrees and sunny. Um, You can watch this game on ESPN2, and this is going to be a barn burner between the Northern Illinois Huskies and the Coastal Carolina Chanticleers. 
Both of these teams feature high-powered offenses with a lot of names that you have heard before. Uh, the Northern Illinois Huskies led by Rocky Lombardi, who's got over 2,400 passing yards and 13 touchdowns. The high-powered uh, arm of Grayson McCall of Coastal Carolina, who's passed for over 2,500 yards, 23 touchdowns, and three interceptions this year. Um, he's having, obviously, an incredible year, uh, if I recall correctly. First team all Sun Belt. He uh, he's definitely um, an excellent quarterback, piloting the Chanticleers' offense. But also, the rushers in this game are pretty impressive. For Northern Illinois, Jay Duckers got over a thousand yards and three touchdowns. And for Coastal Carolina, running back Shamari Jones has 988 yards on 151 carries, and he's got 13 touchdowns on the season. The Chanticleers are definitely coming into this game with a more balanced offense. They're averaging 493 total yards per game. 261 of those are passing, 231 are rushing. Um, and that's a little more even compared to the Northern Illinois Huskies, who actually rush. It's one of those rare, rare rushing teams where they rush for 234 yards a game and only pass for 187. So while Ducker is their leading rusher, they've got a whole slew of guys who, um, who make up the majority of their rushing yards each game. The Coastal Carolina defense is also intense. They're allowing over a hundred yards uh, less per game than the Huskies. So if the Huskies uh, plan on winning this game, they're going to have to move the ball effectively. And that might be really difficult because the Chanticleers are only allowing 134 rushing yards per game. Uh, so they're going to have to, the Huskies are going to have to do something pretty significant to change that up uh, to, to get the Chanticleers to, to uh, let up a few more yards than they're used to. The Shants are, ha are coming off of a, a good but disappointing year. Uh, they finished in conference in the Sun Belt East at 6-2. Um, their only losses this year coming to Appalachian State and Georgia State, who finished just above them in their conference. Meanwhile, Northern Illinois finished at the top of the MAC East at 6-2 in conference, 9-4 overall. And coming into this game, both of these teams are, are, you know, their records are showing pretty much exactly how their year has gone. Coastal Carolina has won four of their last five, their last game being an overtime win at South Alabama, um, which was a heck of a game if you had a chance to watch it. Um, and Northern Illinois has won three of their last five, including an overtime win at Buffalo. And just last week, or I guess about 10 days ago, from time of recording here, um, they had a 41 to 23 win versus Kent State, which is a which is a big one. ESPN's FPI gives Coastal Carolina a 78.1 percent chance to win this game, and I am going to agree with that. I I've been really impressed with the Huskies this year. I think that they've had an excellent season, but I just think that the Chanticleers offense and defense are just going to give them more uh, than they're expecting here. Um, that being said. I wouldn't be surprised if Lombardi, uh, the quarterback for Northern Illinois, has a good day. I wouldn't be surprised if somehow the Huskies' running game gets it going against the the Chanticleers. Um, but I'm just I'm not confident that they're going to be able to overcome Grayson McCall and that Chanticleer offense. I'm going to predict that the Coastal Carolina Chanticleers win the Tail Greeter Cure Bowl by a score of 36 to 20. Okay, staying in the state of Florida, we are moving on to the RoofClaim.com Boca Raton Bowl in beautiful Boca Raton, Florida at FIU Stadium. This game is on Saturday, December 18th at 11 a.m., a terrible time for a bowl game, and you can watch it on ESPN. The Boca Raton Bowl this year features two teams uh, that are sure to have a heck of a good time at this game. This is between the Appalachian State Mountaineers and the Western Kentucky Hilltoppers. This matchup is one that I am legitimately excited for, and it's not just because that I am an Appalachian State fan myself. Um, I think these two teams are very interestingly matched together. Um, of course, the Western Kentucky passing game behind Bailey Zappi is just insane. Um, he's got over 5,500 passing yards, 56 touchdowns, and only 11 interceptions uh, this year. I mean, that's just crazy. The Hilltoppers are averaging 434 passing yards per game. 
compared to their 94 rushing yards per game. So they're not going to have to rely on their uh, their running game led by Noah Whittington uh, very much. Uh, they're they're going to be relying on Zappy passing to some of his high-powered weapons like Jarrett Stearns, who's got over 1,700 yards and 14 touchdowns uh, on this season. Um, the, the Hilltoppers are going to pose a really interesting uh, threat to the Appalachian State Mountaineers, who are only allowing 206 passing yards per game. Their, their passing defense is intense. Their corners are shut down. Their linebackers don't mess around. Uh, the D-line is angry. Um and so I think that this is really, um, this is really posed to be poised to be a really, um, interesting matchup. These two teams have played five times before and app owns the historical record four to one. The most recent of those games was way back in 2000 where they played, uh, in Bowling Green uh, at Western Kentucky and app won 14 to seven under Jerry Moore. Um, and app won the two previous meetings in 84 and 85 as well. Um, Western Kentucky's only win in the series code comes way back in 1973, um, where they beat the Mountaineers in Boone, uh, a rare, a rare visiting win in Boone. Um, but yeah, this series goes all the way back to 1972, but they haven't played each other in over 20 years. So this is going to be really interesting. Um, it's odd that, you know, geographically they're not too terribly far apart from each other, but it really has been quite a long time since they've, they've played each other. Um, app is coming in with a perfect six and O bowl record. They've won every single bowl they've ever been to, and they've been invited to a bowl every year of eligibility since joining the FBS. Um, I believe some of those things are records. Um, they might be the only team in the FBS to have some of those, uh, accolades. The Hilltoppers, meanwhile, are, uh, four and three overall in their bowl record, um, which is, you know, not terrible. Bowl games are often a crapshoot anyway. Uh, so it'll be very interesting to see who comes out on top in this one. App is definitely, uh, even though the stats don't show it exactly this way, I think App more, relies more on their run game. And I think they might actually take advantage of some of that, um, they're averaging coming into this game 188 yards per game rushing, and I think they're going to try to get the ball to Nate Noel and to Cameron Peoples as much as they possibly can to get the ball going on the run game to sort of control the clock. But I think that Zappy and the Hilltoppers offense are just going to come out blazing, um, and they're just going to start throwing from the get-go. So this is going to be a very, uh, very back and forth game, I think. Uh, and ESPN's FPI gives app the 60% chance to win this game. I'm sort of on the fence about this. I, I really think that this could go either way. The Hilltoppers are averaging 43 points a game, but the Mountaineers are only giving up 19 points a game. So, so I think that this is going to be a crazy game. And I don't know how either of these teams are preparing for this. Um, and, you know, aside, of course, on top of the bowl game, the Western Kentucky community hit by those tornadoes um, really hard this past week. Um, the I've seen a bunch of Mountaineer uh, accounts in particular um, supporting some some uh, charities and uh, giving you some links, giving giving on social media some links to donate if possible. Um, and so let me just go ahead and encourage anyone listening to this, if you're so inclined and, and able, um, please, if you're if you're willing, go donate to uh, some of the recovery uh, efforts that are going on in Western Kentucky and, and that part of the, of the country, uh, who are really, uh, suffering after some, some really crazy storms and tornadoes, uh, last week. Um, and of course our thoughts are, are with that community. Um, so I think this, that, but I think that it could actually play into this either way. I think it could either be distracting the hilltoppers or it could sort of give them something to fight for here. Um, I have a hard time going against the Mountaineers, uh, led by Chase Bryce on offense. I, I think that they're going to find a way to to stay to stay involved in this game, and not just stay involved, but I think they're actually going to um, impress in this game. App, of course, at six and zero in bowl games, they take that really seriously. Um, a lot of times, people can write off bowl games, but I, but I don't think that's going to happen for the Mountaineers, and I think that they're going to to hold the Hilltoppers at bay here but I think it's going to be close. I'm going to predict that App wins this game by a score of 33 to 27.
Okay, we are leaving the Sunshine State, the old-timer state of Florida, and we are going to New Mexico, Albuquerque, New Mexico, for the PUBG Mobile New Mexico Bowl. Wow, okay. So this game is at University Stadium uh, in Albuquerque. It is on uh, Saturday, December 18th at 2.15 p.m., uh, and you can watch it on ESPN. Um the game time weather looks like partly sunny and 40 degrees, so it's going to be chilly for the UTEP Miners and the Fresno State Bulldogs in the New Mexico Bowl. UTEP is a team that I talked about earlier this season. They started off so strong this year, um, but they ended up at fourth in the CUSA West at 4-4, four and four. Um, so their season definitely did not go the way that they thought it was going to go at the beginning of the season. Um, they have really struggled uh, losing four of their last five games. Um, it's just been it's been a tough end of the season for the Miners. Uh, meanwhile, the Bulldogs of Fresno State ended up at second in the Mountain West West Division at six and two and nine and three overall. Um, so the Bulldogs ended up with a, a really strong season. Um, they won four of their last five, including a nice win um, at San Jose State, 40-9 to um, over Thanksgiving week. And don't forget, back in October, they defeated San Diego State um, at home, so to speak, 30-20. to um, And so Fresno State is not without their, their big wins this season. Um, coming into this game, the passing advantage definitely goes to Fresno State and Jake Hayner, who has unfortunately for Fresno State, uh, entered the transfer portal. So I actually don't even know what his status is for this game. I'm not sure if he's if he's playing or not. But assuming he is, the passing advantage in this game definitely goes to Fresno State. They pass for 330 yards per game, um, and, and they've got a, a bunch of guys that can make plays uh, in their receiving game as well. UTEP's quarterback is a guy named Gavin Hardison, and he's passed for almost 3,000 yards and 17 touchdowns this season. Um, the Miners' offense has not been as productive as the Bulldogs, um, but still they're having they're having a good season, um, and they definitely rely on that passing attack. Both of these teams actually rely on their passing game because their rushing game is okay, but not their strong points. Uh, the Miners average 143 yards, and the Bulldogs average 133 yards of rushing per game. So their running game is okay, but it's nothing. Uh, it's not their their calling card. It's not what they rely on. Uh, the Miners running back Ronald Awat has 803 yards and five touchdowns this season. And Fresno State's running back Ronnie Rivers has 788 yards and five touchdowns this season. So um, they're, both teams are, are definitely going to rely on their passing game, though. Um, and Fresno State this season has definitely done a better job of scoring in games. They are averaging more than eight eight points per game more than the Miners, uh, and they're av- and they're also averaging allowing four fewer points on defense. Historically, Fresno State has the advantage in this matchup as well um, at 8-3-1, with their tie coming back in 1994 in the midst of a Fresno State run where they won four of those five games around that tie. Um, it's worth noting that UTEP won the last meeting in 2004, 24-21, um, but this these uh, two teams playing each other go all the way back to 1938, um, which is pretty remarkable, actually. As much as I've been sort of hedging my bets towards Fresno State here uh, in this matchup, they are they are 12 and 13 in bowls, so they definitely struggle uh, in bowl games. They they don't live up uh, to the hype, perhaps. Um, but UTEP also struggles. Their bowl record is five and nine. Um, so even though Fresno State doesn't exactly perform up to their standards, um, they do perform historically better than UTEP in their bowl games. So Fresno State is uh, favored by ESPN uh, with an 80% chance to win this game. And I, I'm just going to go ahead and agree with that. Uh, whether Hayner is playing or not, um, Fresno State just is able to put up the points. Um, and and I think that uh, them losing their head coach as well. I think that's going to have, frankly, a minimal impact on this game. Um, I think that that the Bulldogs are going to be able to pull it out, um, and I think they're going to win a close one with UTEP, closer than the 80% uh, would 
have you think. I predict the Bulldogs win 27 to 23. All right, heading back east, leaving New Mexico, we are going to Shreveport, Louisiana for the Radiance Technologies Independence Bowl. This game is between the UAB Blazers and the number 13 ranked BYU Cougars, and they are playing at 3.30 p.m. on Saturday, December 18th. You can watch that game on ABC. Uh, They are predicting thunderstorms for this game, so if I was you, uh, unless you're a big Blazers or Cougars fan, I would be watching this on ABC rather than at the game in Shreveport, but that's just me. UAB has had a very successful season this year. They finished in second in the CUSA West um, at 6-2 and two and 8-4 eight and four overall. I picked, if you recall, I picked UAB for a big uh, upset alert against UTSA a few weeks ago, and uh, that was maybe the biggest heartbreaker uh, game that I've watched this season. It's just been, that was that was just a really tough one to watch sort of fall apart at the end there. Uh, BYU ranked number 13 is, of course, an independent team, um, but they finished at 10-2 and two, uh, this season with some nice wins versus number 21 Utah, who we know is a legitimate team this year, um, and number 19 Arizona State at the time. And also some big losses versus Boise State and Baylor in the middle of the season. I think that BYU is the easy pick in this game um, because because they're ranked, because of the uh, the name, the brand recognition, perhaps, um, and because of their record at ten and two. That's that's impressive. Um, ESPN FPI gives the Cougars a sixty one point six percent chance to win this game too, um, but I'm actually not so sure about that. Um, I know that I've picked the the Blazers uh, recently and that it's broken my heart a little bit, um, but I've actually been really impressed uh, with the Blazers this season. Uh, their quarterback Dylan Hopkins has over two thousand passing yards, fifteen touchdowns, six interceptions. He likes to pass in particular to Trey Shropshire, who has 25 receptions, 682 yards, and six touchdowns. Um, That's really just a small piece of the UAB pie, though. Um, Their running game, led by Dwayne McBride, is intense. Uh, They've got, he in particular has almost 1,200 yards and 12 rushing touchdowns this season. They keep their offense pretty balanced. It's I wouldn't say it's like a high-powered offense, uh, but their running game is actually pretty good with uh, averaging 177 yards per game compared to 208 yards passing per game. Something worth noting about the Blazers is that while they're averaging scoring uh, 29 points per game, they also allow 23. Um, and so their their games, uh, while they do have their 8-4, and four, the nice winning record, um, their games are generally on average pretty close. They had a nice win at UTEP a couple of weeks ago, uh, 42 to 25. That's a pretty big win. Uh, but in general, their other, their other games have just been, uh, pretty close. They just don't, they don't get blown out and they don't do a lot of blowing out either. Uh, BYU though, uh, they, they score 33.5 points per game. They only allow 24. So there is a bit more of a, a difference there. Their offense gives their defense a little bit more of a cushion, uh, and their yards per game is astronomical. 458 yards per game, uh, 270 of those are passing yards, 188 of them are rushing. So, uh, they definitely rely on, uh, their quarterback by the name of Jaron Hall, who's got over 2,500 passing yards, 20 touchdowns, and only five interceptions. And their leading wide receiver, whose name I may butcher and apologize for, uh, but Puka Nakua, uh, he's got 798 receiving yards and six receiving touchdowns on the season. Uh, so they they definitely, he has a lot of weapons. Um, the BYU quarterback, Hall, ha- has a lot of options to throw to, um, and they do it pretty well. They like to move the ball. They're pretty good at it, Um, but their defense does let them down a little bit. Uh, Their defense allows 387 yards um, per game, Uh, whereas the Blazers' defense is is much more stout. Um, They are only allowing 323 yards per game. Uh, I think that the BYU defense is actually going to let UAB stay in this game uh, for a long time. Points-wise, I think BYU has the edge, um, or yards-wise, I should say. BYU definitely has the edge over the Blazers, but points-wise, I actually think that the Blazers' defense uh, might be able to hold BYU. Um, Like I said, ESPN gives 
BYU a 61.6% chance to win this game. Um, these two teams have never played before, so there's not much historical data to go on there. Um, we do know that BYU is 621-1 and in their bowl games. I independently i'm going to look into that one bowl game tie i have questions about how that went down um but uab is only one in three in their bowls um obviously a much younger program uh still very much on the upswing um compared to their season in 2013 for example where they went two and ten um They've, they're definitely improving, uh, UAB is, but I just think that BYU is going to have the edge in this game. Um, I'm, I think it's going to be close, but I'm going to give BYU the edge here, and I say the Cougars win the Independence Bowl with a score of 30-24. to 24. Staying in the Deep South, but moving over a state or two, we're heading now to Mobile, Alabama for the Lending Tree Bowl at Hancock-Whitley Stadium between the Eastern Michigan Eagles and the Liberty Flames. This game is at 5.45 p.m. on Saturday the 18th, and you can watch it on ESPN. These teams are coming into this bowl game with with identical records. Um, Liberty as an independent went 7-5 this year, as did Eastern Michigan. But Eastern Michigan went 4-4 four four in conference, which landed them at 5th, um, just next to last, only above Western Michigan, in the MAC West. Um, like I said earlier, when I was discussing Northern Illinois, the Mac West is just crazy. Northern Illinois finished six and two in first place, and Ball State, Eastern Michigan, and Western Michigan rounded out the bottom three, uh, at, all at four and four this year. So the Mac West was absolutely insane. See previous episodes to hear my thoughts on that. Um, but Eastern Michigan has uh, won three of their last five games. Unfortunately, a, a tough loss at Central Michigan who actually had a really good season and ended up 6-2 and two in conference this year. Um, and they also lost to Ohio uh, earlier this year, as well, a, a couple of weeks ago. That was definitely a disappointing loss um, because Ohio does not have a very strong team uh, this year and is not bowling. Um, but Liberty is coming off of three straight losses to Ole Miss, Louisiana, and Army. None of those were particularly close or attractive. Uh, their only wins, but well, the two wins before they went on that losing streak were against North Texas and Massachusetts. So not exactly, you know, screaming confidence uh, about the Flames uh, with, with those games. These two teams have only met once in the past, and that was way back in 1989 uh, up in Ypsilanti, Michigan, uh, where Liberty won 25-24. to um, But these two teams, as far as bowls go, uh, Liberty is 2-0, including a, a win last year versus Myrtle, uh, excuse me, Coastal Carolina. And the Eagles of Eastern Michigan are 1-3 uh, in their bowl record as well. So not a ton of data to draw from uh, as far as past bowl um, experience here. But the Flames have the advantage coming into this game in total yards um, as well as uh, defensive you know, yards allowed. Um, they're gaining more and they're allowing less. And the same goes for points. Um, they're just really barely outscoring Eastern Michigan, um, but they allow six, almost seven fewer points per game. And that's going to be uh, that's going to be troublesome for Eastern Michigan's quarterback Ben Bryant, who's passed for over 2,900 yards, 14 touchdowns, six interceptions. Um, a bunch of those touchdowns, four of them have gone to Hassan Beydoun, um, who has 932 receiving yards a season. Definitely top target uh, for Bryant and the Eagles. Um, but Liberty's led by quarterback Malik Willis, who has uh, tons of talent. Um, he's passed for. 26, uh, 2,600 yards this season, 24 touchdowns, 12 interceptions. Um, he's got uh, quite a few targets to pass through, uh, but the receiving game is being led by Demario Douglas uh, with 679 yards and five touchdowns. He's. Uh, it's worth noting that Malik Willis is also the rushing leader on the team. He adds 820 rushing yards and 11 rushing touchdowns uh, to that offense, to the Flames offense. So uh, their offense... The Flames offense runs through Malik Willis. There is uh, absolutely no doubt about that. ESPN's Football Power Index has Liberty with a 64.5% chance to win this game, and I I've got to agree with it. I think that Liberty wins this game with a score of 30-20. to 20. 
next on Saturday the 18th at 7 p.m. Eastern at SoFi Stadium in Inglewood, California, we have the Jimmy Kimmel LA Bowl presented by Stifle. Um, And this game is between the Utah State Aggies and the Oregon State Beavers. Uh, the, The Aggies of Utah State are coming into this game at the top of the Mountain West Mountain Division at 6 and 2 and 10 and 3 overall and the Oregon State Beavers a team who I have not talked about because they are in the Pac-12 are coming in with a 5 and 4 conference record 7 and 5 overall finishing at third in their division in the Pac-12 I'm not going to belabor this very much you uh, Utah State has an excellent team this year, led by Logan Bonner, their quarterback, who's got over 3,500 yards, 36 touchdowns, and 11 interceptions. I know that Oregon State has the, the lead in this uh, matchup, 3-0, to zero, but they last played in 1998, so that doesn't really help us at all. As far as bowl game performance, Oregon State is 9-6-0 in bowl games. Uh, Utah State is 5-8-0 in bowl games, so historically... Uh, the Aggies don't perform as well as the Beavers in this game. But this Utah State team is not like other Utah State teams. Uh, they've got weapons. They out they statistically outgain the Beavers this season. Uh, and their defense is pretty comparable, actually. They only differ about four, four yards allowed per game. Um, and I mean, less than a point difference of points allowed per game. Utah State just blew out number 19, San Diego State, 46-13 to um, in the Mountain West Championship game. And I think they are riding a high uh, coming out of Utah uh, for this game in California, uh, where they just beat San Diego State as well. I see that the FPI has... Org- uh, Oregon State with a 66% chance to win this game, but I'm not down with that. I think that Utah State is going to pull off. If you want to call it an upset, go ahead. You can call this an upset, um, but I don't feel like it is. I think that Utah State is the better team here, um, and so I'm assuming that they are going to show it on Saturday, and I think Utah State is going to win this game 30-24. to Next the bowl game in the Big Easy, the RNL Carriers New Orleans Bowl at Caesars Superdome in New Orleans, Louisiana. This game is on Saturday the 18th at 9.15 p.m., a little past my bedtime, but I am going to stay up for this game between the number th- 23 Louisiana Raging Cajuns and the Marshall Thundering Herd. Uh, this game between two future Sunbelt opponents is going to be an excellent matchup. Let's start by looking at the quarterback play for these two teams. Uh, the quarterbacks for these teams are essentially legendary at their schools, but at this point, uh, Louisiana's quarterback, Levi Lewis, is an absolute beast running and throwing the ball. He can beat you so many ways. Um, But he's passed for 19 touchdowns and only four interceptions this year. He has a ton more rushing yards and touchdowns. Um, Grant Wells is having an impressive year. He is more of a traditional quarterback, though, throwing for over 3,400 yards, 16 touchdowns, and 12 interceptions. Um, I mean, they're they're both, both of these quarterbacks incredibly talented. Marshall's coming into this game averaging 34 points a game compared to Louisiana's 30.7. And Louisiana's defense, though, is uh, only allowing 18.3 compared to Marshall's 22.8 per game. As far as total yards, the Thundering Herd have the advantage here by almost 70 yards per game, Um, especially in the passing game. They're averaging almost 100 yards more passing per passing yards per game uh, than the Cajuns. Uh, But the Cajuns are more successful running the ball. There's no doubt about that between Levi Lewis um, and running back Chris Smith, who's got 855 yards and eight touchdowns on the season as well. Um, The Cajuns know how to run the ball. The Cajuns are unfortunately performing without their head coach, uh, well, with their without their former head coach, Billy Napier, who helped them get to this point, um, who my understanding is he's already in Gainesville. He's already putting together his staff um, in Florida. 
Um, but the Cajuns have had an unbelievably successful season, and I'm not just saying that because they beat my Mountaineers twice this year. Um, they have really just lit up the Sun Belt, um, and they finished at the top of the Sun Belt, of course, uh, in the championship game, but also in first in the Sun Belt West at a perfect 8-0. and um, Their only loss this season, I think, came to Texas uh, in like really early on in the season, maybe week one. Um, and the Marshall Thundering Herd finished second in their division in the CUSA, only behind the Western Kentucky Hilltoppers, which I know just eats them up inside. Um, this game is going to be close. It's one of the closest that we've seen so far as uh, as far as the, uh, the odds from ESPN's FPI. They give Louisiana the 58.2% chance to win this game. Um, these two teams have not met before, so this is going to be the first time that we see these two teams going back and forth. Um, as far as historically in bowl games, Louisiana's four and two in bowls, and Marshall is twelve and four in bowls. Um, so really, uh, percentage-wise, they're not too far off from each other. Uh, though Marshall does have the edge. I mean, twelve and four in bowl games is impressive. Um, we know that the herd has a historic program. Uh, we know that they've had a good season this year, um, averaging thirty-four yard, or thirty-four points per game. That's an impressive number. But I just think the Cajuns are rolling this year. I know that Napier's gone, um, but he uh, he built something pretty impressive in Louisiana. Um, and I think they're going to get one more win this season. Uh, so I predict that Louisiana is going to win this game with a score of 42 to 28. All right, going from Louisiana with a future Sun Belt team, uh, heading a little bit east to Dirty Myrtle with another future Sunbelt team, the Old Dominion Monarchs, as they take on the Tulsa Golden Hurricane in the Myrtle Beach Bowl presented by Tax Act. And like I said, this game is actually not in Dirty Myrtle. It is in Conway, South Carolina, the home of the Coastal Carolina Chanticleers. Um, it is at Brooks Stadium on campus there. This game is on Monday, December 20th. So a nice Monday afternoon game for you, 2.30 in the afternoon. Um, this game is on ESPN if you care to watch it. And what we've got here is a matchup between two teams that went six and six this season, who one of them who defied a lot of the odds here and another team who pretty much lived up to expectations. Um, Looking at Old Dominion, they finished at third place in their division behind Western Kentucky and Marshall in the CUSA at five and three and six and six overall. Uh, meanwhile, the Golden Hurricane of Tulsa finished in fifth place in the American, pretty much dead center, at five and three in conference, six and six overall. What we've got here is an interesting matchup. Uh, neither of these teams have particularly uh, high-scoring offenses. Um, in fact, Tulsa averages less points per game than they allow. Um, so it is, you know, kind of remarkable that they are at a six and six record um, when they're scoring less points than they're allowing. Um, that being said, Old Dominion is only averaging one more point per game than points per, points allowed. Uh, so when we're looking at these two teams playing against each other, uh, as far as scheme, I'm not your guy. I'm not an X's and O's type of person. Uh, but what what I am looking at is uh, the types of uh, the ways that they are scoring and the way that they uh, they are, they are gaining yards. And it is a very clear that the Monarchs of Old Dominion rely on their quarterback, uh, a guy by the name of Hayden Wolf, who has. Over 1,700 passing yards, 10 touchdowns, 6 interceptions. Um, he likes to pass to his leading wide receiver, Ollie Jennings III, who's got 992 yards and 5 uh, touchdowns this season. So of the 386 total yards uh, per game that the Monarchs gain, um, 218 of them are passing yards compared to the 168 rushing uh there in their rushing game it's worth noting it is led by blake watson who's got over a thousand yards and seven rushing touchdowns this season um as far as rushing goes watson is probably the most impressive uh player we're going to see on the field in the myrtle beach bowl this year when it comes to passing we have to look at tulsa's davis brin who's got almost three thousand passing yards this season um, but he is even 16 touchdowns 16 interceptions that's kind of rough um it's hard to hard to excuse that, but it makes sense uh, when you look at their total yards per game, which is 435. That's a pretty good number, and it lines up with Bryn's passing yards uh, this season. Um, 
but the interceptions sort of explain the lack of points per game. It is really hard to score when your quarterback is throwing as many interceptions as he is touchdowns. Um, so Tulsa might have to rely on their running game led by Shamari Brooks, uh, who has 922 yards and six touchdowns this season. They're rushing for 188 yards uh, per game this season, um, and I think they're, they might have to rely on that um, if they want to avoid some of uh, Bryn's mistakes in this game. Tulsa's last few games have been interesting. Uh, as recently as November 6th, they only lost to number, well, at that time, number six Cincinnati, 28 to 20. They put up 20 points on a team that is currently in the playoffs. Um, but then they well, they went to Tulane and had to go to overtime to beat Tulane. Um, but then the next week after that, they played Temple and blew them out by 34 points. And then the week after that, they went to SMU and won. So. Tulsa has shown that they have real promise this season, um, but then have some sort of head-scratcher games. Um, Meanwhile, Old Dominion is on a streak. After going on a losing streak of five games, um, they are now currently riding a five-game winning streak, um, including wins versus Louisiana Tech, um, Florida Atlantic, MTSU, and uh, most recently, Charlotte, with a nice win, 56-34. to That's a big one. It's also worth noting that Old Dominion's defense is strong. They only allow 125 rushing yards per game. Um, so when I say Tulsa might have to rely on their running game to, to keep Bryn's mistakes uh, at bay, um, they might not be able to against the Monarchs. Um, and it, it might be a, a, quite a challenge for them. That being said, while the Monarchs have really overachieved this year, um, I don't think anyone really predicted them to be going six and six. They're certainly riding, riding a high, uh, going, uh, finishing out this season, um, possibly moving to the Sun Belt as early as next uh, season, which would be, which would be really cool. Um, I think that Tulsa has just shown that they've got a little more firepower. Um, they, they're just gaining way more yards per game than the Monarchs. And while the points aren't exactly there, um, it just seems like at some point they're going to have to score. Um, and I think that they're, they're, uh, the teams that they played, especially recently, um, have given them a pretty good challenge. And the, the Golden Hurricane have shown that um, even if they're not winning those games against the Cincinnati's, which, you know, that's hard to do, um, that they're at least able to show up and, uh, and, and put in an effort. So I'm going to go in this game, I'm going to go to the golden hurricane. Um, but I think it's going to be pretty low scoring. Um, I'm going to predict the a final score of 17 to 13 in the Myrtle beach bowl in favor of the Tulsa golden hurricane going from Myrtle beach way out West to the blue turf at Albertson stadium in Boise, Idaho, We are going to the famous Idaho Potato Bowl between the Kent State Golden Flashes and the Wyoming Cowboys. The Kent State Golden Flashes coming off an excellent season in the MAC East Division, finishing at 6-2 in conference and and 7-6 overall. Um, And the Wyoming Cowboys coming off of an interesting season uh, where they've shown real promise and real confusion. Um, They finished at 4th in the Mountain West Mountain Division um, at two and six in conference and six and six overall, um, they've had some very uh, peculiar wins and losses this year, um, including a loss on this blue turf uh, against Boise State just about a month ago, um, where they lost twenty-three to thirteen. This famous potato, <laughs> this famous Idaho Potato Bowl, uh, is on. Tuesday, December 21st at 3.30 p.m., another nice afternoon football game. Uh, You can watch it on ESPN, um, and it's going to be a chilly one there in Boise, although probably not by Boise standards. This is another peculiar matchup between a team that is definitely, uh, between two teams that are definitely more uh, run first. Both of these teams average more yards rushing than yards passing per game. the golden flashes of Kent State, though, definitely have the total yards advantage in this game. They are averaging 481 yards per game compared to Wyoming's 361. Um, but all that being said, Kent State is also uh, 
averaging fewer points per game than they are points allowed per game. So their opponents are outscoring them, even though they're 7-6 and six on the season. These are the MAC champions that we're talking about here that defeated Northern Illinois uh, just about less than two weeks ago. Um, but they've had some really confusing, really interesting games uh, recently, including an overtime win at Miami, or I'm sorry, versus Miami of Ohio, um, a 38 to zero win at Akron. They lost to Central Michigan. Um, they they beat Northern Illinois when they played earlier this season. Um, it's been a very up and down season for the, for the Golden Flashes. Their defense uh, has definitely hurt them. They really... They really don't have much strength on defense, um, and so they have to rely on that on that high-powered offense. Um, their running game, particularly led um, by running back Marquez Cooper, um, he is just having a phenomenal year. 217 carries, over 1,000 yards, 11 touchdowns. Um, their quarterback for Kent State is Dustin Crum, who I've talked about on this podcast before. He's actually having a really good year. Um, the the balance between passing and rushing for Kent State um, is 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 you know pretty pretty well balanced. They they pass for 238, they rush for 243, uh, so it's really really quite balanced. Whereas the Cowboys of Wyoming definitely rely on the running game more. They rush for 30 yards more per game than they pass, um, and their leading rusher is uh, their running back Zazavian Valade who has 190 carries for 984 yards and five touchdowns on the season. I've definitely covered the the Golden Flashes of Kent State more than the Cowboys of Wyoming this year. Um, And so my bias tends to lean towards Kent State in this matchup. Um, But ESPN's FPI gives Wyoming a 59.8% chance to win this game. Um, These two teams have never played against each other, so it's hard to compare. Um, Their bowl games are... Uh, or their bowl records are interesting. Kent State is only one and two in their bowls, um, and Wyoming is eight and eight. Uh, so that's not really helpful either uh, when when thinking about uh, who might come out on top in this game. All that to say, I'm concerned about Kent State's defense. I'm concerned about, uh, but I'm also sort of concerned about Wyoming's offense. I don't know that they're going to uh, be able to move the ball enough to 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 win this game. But like I said, I've covered the Kent State a little bit more. I, I feel a little more comfortable with them. And I think the MAC just doesn't get the credit that it deserves. And so I'm going to pick against the FPI in this game. And I think that the Golden Flashes are going to win this game with a score of 35 to 23. Okay, in the last bowl game that we'll be covering in this episode, um, we're going to be going all the way to Frisco, Texas, for the Tropical Smoothie Cafe Frisco Bowl. I'm going to say that one more time. The Tropical Smoothie Cafe Frisco Bowl. Kind of a mouthful. Uh, Not to be confused with another uh, bowl game in Frisco that we'll be covering in the next episode, Uh, but this one is between the UTSA Roadrunners and the San Diego State Aztecs. This game is on Tuesday, December 21st at 7.30 p.m. in Toyota Stadium in Frisco. Uh, This is going to be an excellent game between two high-powered teams. We're talking about the UTSA Roadrunners, the CUSA champions, versus the San Diego State Aztecs who came up just short in their conference championship game uh, in the Mountain West versus Utah State. San Diego State is coming into this game actually ranked number 24 in the country in the college football playoff rankings, Um, and that's no mistake. The Aztecs have uh, some really strong players, especially in their running game. Uh, The Bells have just been phenomenal this year. Um, They're, of course, led by Greg Bell, who's got uh, so close, 999 rushing yards and eight touchdowns on this season. Um, and th- they've had some quarterback struggling issues. Uh, they definitely struggled uh, in the championship game, the conference championship game against Utah State uh, passing. It was pretty dismal. So the Aztecs can struggle at times on offense, but their defense um, is pretty is pretty impressive. Um, they do give up quite a few yards passing, but their run game, or their run defense is is incredible. Um, they only allow 77.6 yards rushing per game, um, and I mean that that's an impressive number. There are very few teams in the country that allow uh, double digit 
uh, rushing yards per game, and San Diego State's running defense is uh, is one of them. They're impressive. Um, they've definitely been on a roll too. They've uh, as far before they lost to the conference championship. They were doing pretty well with wins at Hawaii versus Nevada, um, a nice win uh, at UNLV, which is important uh, not to lose to UNLV, um, and a, a nice win versus Boise State as well before losing uh, the conference championship. Um, as far as UTSA, uh, we know what they've done. They were perfect uh, for the season for so long until a crazy loss at North Texas, uh, where North Texas blew them out by 22. It was crazy, crazy. Um and uh, and so yeah, the the Roadrunners have been really the 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 vision of consistency this season, um, and their yardage that they gain uh, shows that as well. Um, Four hundred forty three total yards per game, two hundred fifty of those, uh, two hundred fifty four of those coming through the air. Um, their quarterback Frank Harris is having a great year. Twenty nine hundred yards, twenty five touchdowns, five interceptions. Um, he likes to pass in particular to his his wide receiver Zachary Franklin with nine hundred thirty eight yards, eleven touchdowns this season. Um, yeah, and they're running back too. Sincere McCormick, he's having an excellent year with fifteen touchdowns this season. Um, I mean, the Roadrunners are really having an impressive year, and. Uh, I, having not not being someone who has paid a ton of really close attention to the CUSA uh, in the past few years um, to me that's really come out of nowhere I've been really impressed with the Roadrunners uh, this year um, if I didn't know anything I would pick San Diego State uh, because they're ranked 24 uh, because they've got a, maybe a little more brand recognition sorry Roadrunners um, but uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the Roadrunners in this game um, these two teams haven't played before and so we can't really compare that um, and the Roadrunners haven't done well they're 0-2 in their bowl games um, but I just think that they've got they've got that consistency. Um, San Diego State is struggling at quarterback right now, um, and UTSA knows how to put points on the board. So um, I think that despite San Diego State's uh, really good run defense, I think that Frank Harris and the receiving core are going to get the job done for the Roadrunners. And I think it's going to be a high-scoring game. Um, I'm going to predict that the Roadrunners win this game with a score of 46 to 33. That wraps this week's bowl previews. Come back next week when I preview the rest of the G5 bowl games from the Frisco Football Classic to the Cotton Bowl. Thanks for joining me this week on the Group of Five Focus podcast. Reach out on social media at G5FPod to let me know which bowl games you are particularly stoked about. And if you haven't already, please follow, rate, and review on your podcast platform of choice. And be sure to share it with your favorite group of five fans so that others can join in on the G5 Bowl Preview Party. Until next time, my question for you is, what is one thing you can do to showcase the power of the group of five?